Hello. Hello! Welcome to Sit for a Spell, a podcast where we discuss the lore, the traditions, and modern practices of the occult. Learn alongside us as we explore the many ways the witches of today observe their craft. So grab your book of shadows, light your candles. It's time, time to, to sit, sit for a spell. Hello. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Welcome to Sit for a Spell podcast. I'm James. I'm Jess. And we are back. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where we went. We didn't go anywhere. <laughs> we sure didn't. We literally haven't gone anywhere because no. there's a pandemic. From the last time that we recorded this podcast to this time, which has literally been six oh, days, yes, um, I haven't left my house. I went to where did I go to the grocery store mm. did I, I have to do that today the, I'm gonna do that today wait have I gone to the grocery store I don't know did you maybe maybe I honestly could not tell you <laughs> I don't remember oh <laughs> uh, the days they bleed into one another they bleed my mind is there uh, yeah, hey. um, I think I may have gone to the grocery store. Mm. Let me do that. Who too. knows? I keep my planner on my kitchen table, or not kitchen table, my like um, coffee table, so mm-hmm. I know what the heck yeah. is happening. Because <laughs> the time is rolling around. We're like, I have, I have meetings now, and I have like PD, like trainings and stuff. Obviously, all on like Zoom. And yeah. so I like have to actually keep track of the days. And like I had a meeting yeah. yesterday, I have a meeting tomorrow. So it's like, oh Jesus. I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> <laughs> I did though. Except you did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> uh no, I, I have nothing going on. Uh yeah. I've just I've stopped. Um I was you know, I was on a kick there. We both were for a good, like, almost two months, I would say, like, six weeks where we were, like, working out, mm-hmm. and I was, like, eating how I should be eating, you know, yeah. I was, like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna kick this quarantine's ass, I'm gonna lose weight, and, you know, just, like, get in shape in general, Yeah. and it was working, and then I was, like, well, then I hurt my foot, and then I got, but my foot's been fine for weeks now, and I still haven't. <laughs> I just I'm like you know what it's fine <laughs> <laughs> well at least you had an excuse I just kind of stopped <laughs> <laughs> well we were like really good at keeping each other accountable like let's yeah like let's mm-hmm. both work out let's both and, and then once one of us stops the other one's like yeah that's fine <laughs> yeah <can> pretty stop. <laughs> much they're like um, I'm not gonna argue with you <laughs> yeah oh no workout today oh okay I guess oh well <laughs> oh man <laughs> But it's fine. Um, I've decided not to feel guilty about anything. No, I'm just no. making it through each don't day. Don't feel guilty. No. No. I mean, all I've been my, spending my time doing is doing, like, you know when you, like, watch one Facebook video and then it, like, turns into, like, that scroll oh, yeah. situation where you're uh-huh. just, like, constantly watching, but then, like, if you yeah. watch, say, like, Brad Mondo videos, it's going to give you more Brad Mondo videos, you mm-hmm. know? And mm-hmm. so I started getting, like, super obsessed with the MTV show just the tattoo of us and it's like friends I don't even know what that is what is that friends and family members (laughs) who agree to go on this MTV show and the other person oh yes I have the uh tattoo but then like nine times out of ten it's like a really shitty tattoo like yes it's well done but I mean, like the content yeah. is like. I have seen a these low job or, like, just some like ridiculous things because like one of the people was like holding out this like, vengeful. the grudge or something. Yeah, it's like why would you even agree to go on the show? I think they have that because I've seen clips of like the reveal, you know, like that part. Yeah. But I think they have it in the UK because I remember everyone I've seen having like a British accent. Oh, they do. They do. So um, uh-huh. I don't remember her name, but like the American version is hosted by the girl from like Jersey Shore. Oh, Snooki. 
and okay. um and then the british version is hosted by a blonde girl i don't know her name either but that's all the facebook videos are is there just the unveiling clips that's so funny just like, oh my god because oh god. Oh god. the one i saw was like a boyfriend and a girl a boy and a girl like boyfriend girlfriend and the girl was revealing her tattoo and it said like i want to break up with you <laughs> yeah okay. i was like why would you do that why why put that on like someone's body just why and oh, like some God. of them i'm like god damn you can't even cover that up <laughs> yeah it oh some of them are yeah i now that you have described it i have seen clips of it yeah i don't know why i'm so obsessed with it though but love it no I mean I get in those those holes too where you see one like one sort of interesting video and then you're like "Mm, now it's four hours later Mm -hmm. like a week ago it was like the counting on Duggars clips because I'm like obsessed (laughs) with how they like you're obsessed with like you're obsessed with like people who like parents who like put their children like on tv or like those moms who like live a very specific way like blogger moms you Mm -hmm. know like you love them (laughs) yeah just because i'm so fascinated i want yeah like you're like why yeah Uh uh-huh i get mad (laughs) (laughs) like why are you filming this and then i'm like well why am i watching it (laughs) i mean why not you gotta you can't, you have to get away from like the new cycle. Like you have to, you have to just yeah. watch like mindless. I like those. We talked about her. Um, her name's Bailey Sarian. Oh, I love She's the her. one who, who does like, she does makeup and tells like true crime stories. Or, yeah. Like, and they're stories. just like 10 minutes long or 15 minutes. Yeah. Best. She's so funny. I think like she, her, her make, first of all, she does makeup really well. Beautiful. Um, but also she's, I don't know. She's just, she talks like we talk. She's just like, mm-hmm. she's just talking, you know? She's just like, oh yeah. And then what? Like she, I yeah. think she's hilarious. There was a she's couple like super there cute. where it was just like college humor videos, Brad Mondo and the Bailey videos. Oh yeah. <laughs> Brad like, Mondo. Yeah. But then you click yeah. on one tattoo video and all of a sudden tattoos <laughs> all day, every day. <laughs> That's what happened on my Instagram where, well, to be fair, I do uh, like ingest a lot of drag culture, like drag content. Like mm-hmm. I follow tons of drag queens and, but yeah, that's what happened to my, like the explore page on my Instagram. <laughs> it's all drag queens. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. I like it. My Instagram discovery page is all um, sharks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know it's so random. <laughs> oh my god. It's all sharks. But I mean, I don't know why. I do know why. It's because, like, I'm terrified of like deep water, you know? But I yeah. love sharks. And, like, I think they're so fascinating. And so I'll click on one video and then I'll be like, no, I can't watch this. But then I do it enough to where my whole feed is just shark videos. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> that's so random. It's like tattoos and sharks. <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, that's a little insight into what our minds are like. <laughs> oh man. Oh my gosh. Well, um, <laughs> speaking of sharks, I don't know. <laughs> Things you're afraid of, nightmares, yeah, dreams. Go. Good segue. Yeah. Loose the dreams. That's what we're talking about today. <laughs> yeah. So we talked about this a little when Jess did the um, dream interpretation. Dream in- interpretation. Yeah. But we wanted to go a little deeper into lucid dreaming itself. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing this week. So in in like researching this, this is much more scientific than I originally thought. Mm, there's I like like science. Yeah, there's like studies and like people did like experiments and there's like different drugs you can take to induce it. And mm. it's just I was like, 
I'm barely going to touch on the science part because there was a ton of stuff and a lot of really big words that I did not understand, like prefrontal cortex. And like, I don't like that's, that's the, like the one I did understand. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one I can say. So (laughs) Um, we're just going to kind of uh, talk more about a little bit of the history. And then I'm going to talk about different ways that are like, scientifically proven to help you lucid dream if that's what you're interested in mm-hmm. and um and also how to come out of a lucid dream oh. if that is also something you're interested in and then also a little bit at the end we're going to talk about um like cautions against lucid dreaming oh so like beware it's not like spooky beware but it's like you know like uh these are just things, these things can happen if you're going to lose the dream. Yeah. It's more like physiological, I guess, than okay. spiritual. But okay, so my sources are wikipedia.com, healthline.com, and webmd.com. So there you go. That shows you how this is like Super actually sciencey. a sciencey thing. So lucid dreaming, it's a dream which the dreamer is aware that they're dreaming okay in a lucid dream you may or may not gain some control over the dream you can decide where you go who's in the dream the actions of the dream maybe you're gonna you know drink something go swimming whatever but that's not what that's not a necessary part of it being a lucid dream just Mm -hmm. you being aware of the fact that you are in a dream is what makes it a lucid dream okay there's been tons of studies over the years and um, there's been some psychological research that has pointed, has kind of pointed out that lucid dreaming can be used as a form of sleep therapy. It's oh. so like you can actually like in your dream. Yeah. And I'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay. So there's been depict descriptions of uh, lucid dreaming or dream re- dreamers being aware of their of the fact that they're dreaming that actually predate the term lucid dreaming because the the term lucid dreaming was not coined until 1913 oh, by a dutch no not at all by dutch author and psychiatrist frederick von eden so von eden um he studied his own dreams starting in the 1880s mm-hmm and he began writing down all of the dreams that he had and kind of focusing on the ones that seemed important to him. Yeah. So he spent all of these years, it was like from 1880 to 1912, um, compiling all of his dreams. And he had 352 of those he considered to be lucid dreams. Oh. He came up with the whole system of the different types of dreams he experienced and he categorized them into seven categories. And they are initial, pathological, ordinary, vivid, demoniac, general dream sensations, and lucid. And he considered lucid to be the most interesting. So a little bit uh, going back, actually like a lot of it, there there are references to lucid dreaming in ancient Greek writing. Um, The the, uh, philosopher Aristotle, we all have heard of that dude, right? Mm Mm-hmm. He wrote uh, this quote that I'm going to say, and then maybe we can see if we actually understand what he's talking about. Okay. Often, okay, quote, often when one is asleep, there is something in consciousness which declares that when it presents itself, it is but a dream. So I'm guessing he's being like, hey, sometimes when you're asleep, you see something and you're like, hey, that's not real. You know? Yeah. Like this purple giraffe is clearly yeah. <laughs> the work of dreams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> clearly or or I took something yeah yeah um so then in 415 AD St. Augustine wrote of a dreamer um, called Dr. Gennadius who was said to have lucid dreams and then there's a physician his name is Galen of Permagon Pergamon Galen of Pergamon he used lucid dreaming as a form of therapy and that was all the way in the second century so like the 100s yeah cool that was that was a long time ago in the east lucid dreaming is central to the ancient indian hindu practice of yoga nidra 
and the Tibetan Buddhists practice of dream yoga. So very early Buddhists all um, practiced lucid dreaming all the time. It was like very common mm-hmm. amongst early Buddhists. So um, we're going to go all the way up to 1968. Okay. And this is where the science part comes in. Okay. So there was um, a scientist. Her name is Celia Green. She concluded that dream that um, lucid dreams were very different from ordinary dreams and that this mostly took place like Jess had said in the earlier episode it takes place during the REM sleep cycle which is rapid eye movement Mm -hmm. and she also was the first to link lucid dreams to the phenomenon of false awakenings so I don't know if this has ever happened to you but this has definitely happened to me in dreams where you wake up in your dream but you're still dreaming yeah no, it's and then, never happened to me. But I have very weak dreams, or at least I don't remember them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's very um, disorienting, especially if you're having like a nightmare and then you wake up in your dream and then like the nightmare continues. You know, like it's, yeah, it's really not fun sometimes. It doesn't sound fun. No. <laughs> and it's in movies, it's a common trope in movies. Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. So I, it's like, I wouldn't, I don't want to have that. It's not, I mean, sometimes it's, sometimes it's fairly, like, benign. It's, you know, you just happen to wake up, but sometimes it can be scary. Yeah. So um, that's Celia Green. And then, so in 1975, there was another doctor named Keith uh, Hearn. He was the first one that I can really see that really put like actual scientific experiments into play. So his idea was he wanted to use this um, cycle of rapid eye movement, the REM cycle Mm -hmm. and the REM cycle. And he wanted to make it so that the dreamer would send a message from their sleep to the outside world. So he um, he teamed up with a man called Alan Worsley, who was uh, a quote unquote experienced lucid dreamer. I don't know what that means, but I mean, he maybe he practiced a lot. Yeah. Um, and he what he did was he was like, hey, so you're going to go to sleep. I'm going to record you using um, an EOG, which is uh, electrooculogram. I guess they like it's like a. It's a, what is it, like a camera, like something that's, that mm-hmm. studies the eye movement of oh. like somebody. So yeah. he used that and he's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to come up with like a predefined set of eye movements that you're going to do when you wake up in this lucid dream. And you're going to make yourself do this while you're sleeping. And I'm going to record it on this EOG. So in uh, 1975, he did that and he actually got it to work like he he asked these people he did it with a few a few different subjects and he was able to get like physical responses from them while they were dreaming and that's most of them were cool. with the eye movements yeah that's super so, cool. isn't that really cool it is um in 1985 there was another man named Stephen Laburge I think it's Stephen Laburge he was at Stanford University he wanted to show um, whether or not time perception was the same in a dream or outside of a dream. Like if a half an hour was a half an hour? Like Yes. Like if okay. you're lucid dreaming, is your perception of time the same? Because you know, when you're regular dreaming, you're like, oh, I lived a whole life or it was weeks or, you know, yeah. like mm-hmm. seconds went by, but it was all night. So he kind of did the same thing. He used like uh, Dr. Hearn's same set of like principles yeah. and he wanted he wanted people to to use their eye movements or their their signals their predetermined signals and he used that same like uh, camera for the eyes and he counted out to 10 or the, the dreamers would count to 10 using their eyes and he would measure that with like an actual like clock while you know on this side I guess the waking side yeah and um I guess he found that it was pretty similar that, um, you know, if you're lucid dreaming, your perception of time goes by the same 
as if you are awake. That's so, interesting. Um, I mean, it yeah. kind of makes sense because when you're just dreaming, I mean, I guess you can consider it like subconscious or like fantasy world, right? Right. When you're lucid dreaming, you do have some sense of control over what's mm-hmm. happening. And so mm-hmm. maybe because your brain has some sense of control, it like reverts <laughs> back to its normal time sequence. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm totally, it makes sense because yeah, that's exactly it. So the same guy, Stephen LaBerge, he had four subjects and they were, um, so they, they would play either singing or counting to them while they were dreaming. So he would sing to them or he would count to them. And LaBerge found that the right hemisphere was more active during the singing and the left hemisphere was more active during the counting. Which makes sense because that's like the two different sides of the brain, mm-hmm. the brain you would use for those two things. Yeah, and in logical. Yeah, exactly. And in 2004, uh, German researchers D. Elliker and M. Schreidel confirmed his results using the same sort of uh, experiment. That's cool. Yeah. Um, there was also a study in 2018, which was not that long ago to see if you could lucid dream by being given a drug. So there's this drug called galant- galantamine? Galantamine. Galantamine? I don't know if I'm saying that right. Galantamine? Oh, yeah. It's an Alzheimer's drug. Oh. So they give it to um, Alzheimer's patients to try to get them to become like more aware or to, um, there was, uh, shoot, there was a word that they used that um, I don't know. It just like helps helps them have like a like better recollection and an awareness, like while they're being with the Alzheimer's patients. Mm-hmm. So they had 121 subjects, and it was a double-blind placebo placebo-controlled trial, and it's the only one that's ever been done. And some of the pr- pr- geez some of the participants found that there was an up to 42 percent increase in the ability to lucid dream mm. so they did it i think it uh, they were like in the past six months how many lucid dreams have you had and they compared it to that yeah there were another 10 people that experienced lucid dreams for the first time ever so they they really it really showed that this drug uh, galantamine would would essentially help you become a better lucid dreamer which makes sense if those are the things that it's used for yeah it's used for like awareness stimulation Mm -hmm. exactly so there is an alternate theory from some uh quote-unquote other researchers i couldn't find names but um some suggest that lucid dreaming is not a state of sleep but a brief micro awakening so they use the LaBerge's um, experiments to kind of say, well, you were giving them, giving them signals from the out, like the quote unquote outside world mm-hmm. and checking for wakefulness or alertness. And that while they're in that state of REM cycle, that they are actually not fully asleep, but they are actually partially awake. Oh. And there's a man named J. Allen Hobson. He said that dreaming in his opinion, lucid dreaming is a both a state of both waking and dreaming simultaneously. Mm. Which I mean, I don't think anyone's arguing that, right? No, I, I don't think so. Yeah, there was a philosopher, uh, Norman Malcolm. His argument against lucid dreaming was saying, "Well, quote, the only criterion of the truth of the statement that someone has had a certain dream is essentially his own saying so." So he's basically saying like, well, yeah, anybody can say, yeah, I had a lucid dream. How are yep. we going to, how are we going to double check? This is like, there's no scientific way to check it basically. Yeah. So he, um, he was just like not feeling it whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that Stephen LaBerge, uh, you know, study with the, mm-hmm. the counting and the singing and the, I feel like that's pretty like scientific that's as scientific as you can get really it yeah it sounds pretty pretty yeah, like how how do you measure somebody's dreams I'm sure there's a way but like you can't see people's dreams yeah no there's that that's from a movie what is that from 
Uh, oh, Prometheus. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Inception too. Uh, but Prometheus, like the robot David, can while they're all like in their sleep pods or whatever. I've never seen. He that. can. He can like see their dreams while they're dreaming. In there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because they're like they're going to a planet or something, so they're in, they're in like what is it? Deep cryogenic whatever. Yeah. So, I love that movie. But I don't know. What do you think of all just that's so that's the science part. That's a yeah. little bit of history, a little bit of science. Uh, mm-hmm. Next, we're gonna get into like how to lucid dream and all that stuff. Yeah. What do you think so far about all that? I mean, I think the science of it is pretty standard. I'm people have always wanted to know like what the hell is happening when we're dreaming, you know? And then yeah. the people who can actually pause and take a second and say like, Oh, I, I like know that I'm dreaming. I'm sure it's like spawned so much scientific research because mm-hmm. it's one of the unknowns. Like we can yeah. always guess, you know, but we don't really know yeah, why we dream. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, don't they even even know why we dream at all? Like, let alone no, lucid dream? It's all theories. There's no, <laughs> like, I mean, there's literally no way we can know, you know? So we have our super educated scientific guesses. We have our spiritual reasons. Like, mm-hmm. and so the science of it, though, is super cool. And I mean, we have yeah. all this technology that allows us to measure brain waves and sleep patterns and eye movement yeah. and it's uh-huh. I don't know, it's cool I think it gives it us a cool. little bit more insight yeah and it gives it a little more I think um like uh what is the word I'm thinking of like it's a little it's like it's, it's backed kind of by science a little bit yeah so it gives a little more like credence to the fact that someone's like oh I can do that like I can lose a dream mm-hmm because yeah people it's been shown that people can like scientifically I think that's I think that's really cool because I think yeah there are those like you said those really spiritual reasons and the people probably certain people who have the ability to lose a dream maybe in those spiritual ways maybe they're seen as like uh gifted in a certain way or something yeah but also like there is a scientific reason why this is happening too yeah (laughs) so I think that's really cool yeah, I think so. Um, so before we get into the uh, how to lose the dream part, let's take a break. welcome back we're back we're back we're okay so 
we talked a little bit about the science and okay. And when I say a little bit, I mean like literally a little bit. That was like, Oh, I'm sure that was, was like, like five minutes like poking of the iceberg <laughs> articles and articles and articles of stuff. I did not know how to even wrap my brain around. So definitely look into it more if you're interested in the science portion of it. Okay. So probably what most of us came here for, how do we, how does one lucid dream? Yes. So these five things that I'm going to talk about are some of the things that are like, again, backed by science. So here we go. Okay. Um, so number one, reality testing. Number two is a uh, process called wake back to bed or WBIB. Then there is mnemonic induction of lucid dreams or mild. There's dream journals. And then there's wake initiated lucid dreams or wild. Okay. So here we go. I'm going to break them down for you. Okay. Reality testing. So reality testing is some sort of like, it's like mental training. Mm -hmm. It increases something called metacognition, which, um, and I looked it up. Metacognition is the awareness and understanding of one's own thoughts and processes. Okay. So just by you, um, just by you being aware of your own awareness, mm -hmm. that is metacognition. Hmm. So meta, the, the reality testing is training your mind to uh, notice that awareness. So metacognition is similar when you're awake or you're asleep. So the higher your metacognition is when you're awake, could lead to higher metacognition when you're dreaming. So um, this states that you should practice that reality testing while you're awake too, because then it would become more second nature for you to do while you're sleeping as well. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So these are the things you can do while you're awake. Ask yourself, am I dreaming? Check your environment to confirm whether or not you're dreaming. Um, you can notice your surroundings, how you engage with your surroundings. And um, you can also check these certain things, these like particular things I'm going to say to see if things are like looking normal or not. And they also recommend setting an alarm for every few hours to, while you're awake to remind yourself to do a reality check. Huh. Um, so this is like stuff for people who are like, like serious. They're like, I'm yeah. going to lose a dream and this is how it's going to happen. That so here are like a few. Very confusing. <laughs> yeah, and we'll talk about that at the end. Okay. <laughs> so here are some things people use um, for reality checks. Mirrors. So look in the mirror and see if it looks normal. You can, I don't think I've ever used a mirror in a dream. Nothing comes to me off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. But this is definitely something you can do during the day. Um, solid objects. Put your hand against the wall or a table and see if it's solid. Um, you can even push your your fingers into your opposite hand to see if that looks normal or stable. Mm -hmm. And yeah, speaking of hands, look at your hands. Do they look normal? Are they, <laughs> you know, long? Are they your, your usual shape and size and color? Yeah. Um, time. If you're dreaming, um, usually uh, the clocks in your dream will not be, not be correct or not be, um, they'll change really quickly. So kind yeah. of, and, you know, during the day, especially if you're, like, counting down the clock, time moves relatively slowly. Yeah. Um, check your breathing. So this is an easy one you can do. You can pinch your nose and see if you can breathe. Sometimes um, in a dream, if you pinch your nose or cover your mouth, you're still able to dream because you're not really doing that in the real life. You know, you're, it's all in the dream. Oh. So check, your, check your, um, your breathing. It's also recommended that you do this multiple times a day so this will kind of train your mind like I said to do it during the day which can train your mind to do it while you're sleeping hmm. so reality checks that's number one number yeah. two so this um is called wake back to bed wbtb so their wake back to bed is well it, it involves entering your REM cycle while you're still conscious so entering and exiting your, your you REM cycle. That? So this is how you do that. Okay. You set an alarm for five hours after your bedtime. 
You go to sleep as usual. You wake up when your alarm goes off. You stay up for 30 minutes. Um, They suggest doing things like reading, something quiet, um, something, but something that requires your full alertness. So you want to be awake, but don't like, don't go for a run or anything, you know? Yeah. And then, and then go back to sleep after the 30 minutes. So when you go back to sleep, you're more likely to enter a lucid dream. And the chance it's, it says here, the chances of entering a lucid dream depend on your level of alertness and not the specific type of activity that you've done. So that's why they want you to do something like dreaming. I mean, like, sorry, like, like reading. Uh It's like, you have to focus on that. And then you're like, Oh, go to sleep right away. So your mind is still alert, but you're going to sleep. It gives you a chance to enter that REM cycle and, and, um, be more aware that you're dreaming. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So then we have, uh, the mild, it's called a mild mnemonic induction of lucid dreams. Mnemonic starts with an M. That's why it's mild. (laughs) It's a silent M, silent M. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is very confusing. Um, so this was created by uh, our good friend LaBerge. He created La this Berge. technique. LaBerge. I like his last name. I know. I'm just saying like it right. Repeating it after you. I like LaBerge. <laughs> okay. So this is kind of one that I think I've done without even um, realizing it. This is all about making an intention to remember that you're dreaming. When you're falling asleep, you're telling yourself, I am going to remember. I'm going to know. I'm, I'm going to lose a dream. You can look for, you can give yourself um, what he calls a dream sign. So you can say, well, in this dream, if I can fly, I know I'm dreaming. If I mm-hmm. see a purple giraffe, I know I'm dreaming. Like that's your dream sign. As you're falling asleep, you're thinking of a recent dream that you've had and you're dream you're thinking of your dream sign. So that's and you know, if you wake up, you go back to sleep. Um, you can also do it while you're sleeping, you know, like if you wake up, well, you can do it in the middle of the night. Like if you wake up in the middle of the night and you go back to bed, you can tell yourself, anytime you're falling asleep, I want to remember I'm dreaming. The next time I have a dream, I want to remember I'm dreaming. It's kind of just like your little mantra you say to yourself over and over again. So um, that's the one I've heard before. I didn't know it had a name, but that's definitely one. I think I've I've done this on my own without even knowing it had this uh, like acronym, mnemonic induction of lucid dreams. Um, there was also a study in 2017 that found if you combine the wake back to bed technique with the mild technique, mm-hmm. that it's kind of like the best way to do it because, okay. you know, you're waking up, you're going back to sleep, you know, you have multiple chances in the night to do, to practice pretty much. Yeah. Okay. So um, it all, well, it says here, you can combine the, the wake back to bed and the mild techniques again by setting your alarm for five hours and while you're awake, you practice that, the mild technique of uh, setting those intentions before you go to bed, which is kind of crazy because it's like set intentions before you go to bed. And it's like, isn't this a scientific study? <laughs> so, I'm like, hey, see, intentions work. <laughs> they do. Yeah, they really do. So this is, yeah, scientifically, it's proven. So this next one is um, one probably probably one we've all heard of, which is keeping a dream journal. Yeah. So dream journal, dream diary. Um, it's a really it's a really uh, good way of forcing yourself to remember what happens during your dream because, like like you said, Jess, you having you don't remember your dreams a lot of the times. So mm-hmm. either you don't remember or you're not like actively conscious during those times. Yeah. This will help you to recognize that you are dreaming force you to remember and like put it down you know writing something down really helps you to like solidify it in your mind and for the best results they want you to do it as soon as you wake up like the second you wake up that's the first thing you do and they also recommend reading your dream journal often like maybe before you go to bed maybe during that those 30 minutes that you're awake in the middle of the night yeah that's what you could be you could be reading as your own dream journal 
because they really want you to remember past dreams as well as be uh as well as realize in your current dreams that you are dreaming there's something about like a lot of people have the, the same dreams you know over and over again we have a lot mm-hmm. of recurring dreams good or bad or you know t- totally uh benign it's i when i think about this i was thinking about you know like what kind of dreams do i have i have a lot of dreams that are the same but the yeah. same settings the same situations and sometimes it's just like oh yeah, I live in this very specific house and I have to like take my dog, which is not really my dog in real life to the vet, you know, like it's just, I have, or I'm looking for something or I have this dream a lot where I'm, I have, I I live on these islands that are a lot like Hawaii, like they're separate like that, but it's not Mm -hmm. Hawaii. And they're all connected by like these huge like highways and it's just like me trying to get from one island to another, but there's like always a ton of traffic. So I don't know why in these dreams, but I have that sort of dream a lot, which is when I think about it, I'm like, why do I, am I only dreaming about that? Nothing bad is happening in the dream. Nothing good is happening. It's just like me trying to get from one place to another. And it's, I don't know. So, so maybe next time I have that dream where I'm on this, you know, giant highway over the ocean and you'd be like hey I recognize this like I'm dreaming you know Mm -hmm. you know so I think that's that's why they want you to really remember your past dreams as well that's so that's dream journaling very straightforward but I think probably the easiest one to do it probably uh interrupts your sleep the least amount yeah I think so so the last one um the last tip is called wake initiated lucid dreaming or wild so this technique um it trains your body to enter a dream directly from waking life you know like you go straight from being awake to being in a dream Hmm. now this is the most difficult one to learn sounds like it's very it's very simple but it takes a lot of practice And it said that if you practice all the other things we talked about today, that this, that those things will help to perfect uh, this technique, the wild technique. Okay. So all you have to do is lay down and relax until you start um, experiencing what's called hypnagogic hallucination. So we've all probably had this already. It happens probably when you're not thinking about it Mm -hmm. you're falling asleep but you're conscious but you sort of like maybe you jolt awake or you hear something or you um you know you hear someone talk or you what happens to me sometimes I don't know if this happens to everyone is I will hear like a loud bang like something like fall or like hit the floor or and it it startles me awake Mm -hmm. but nothing will have fallen I wonder if this Um, is like um because I know when I'm happens to me pretty frequently, like once a week when I'm just have fallen asleep, probably not even asleep for like 10, 15 minutes. And I have that sensation that I'm falling and I literally mm-hmm. jerk awake. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that state, that hypnagogic state is, is that's the state that you're in when you're falling asleep mm-hmm. and you, it's like, you're not quite asleep yet your body is still not like paralyzed like when you go to sleep your your brain releases chemicals that paralyzes you so you don't act out your dreams um so hypnagogic is kind of the beginning of that a lot of people experience um hallucinations different um different sensations hear things see things a lot of people say that this is what sleep paralysis is that's what i was going to ask yeah, hypnagogic, and then there's hypnopompic, so that's when you're coming out of your sleep. Um, if you've ever been startled awake by your uh, your alarm, or if you know you're me, like or you have a kid, or you have animals that startle you awake, and you you wake up, but you're you feel like your body's very heavy, mm-hmm. you know, you can't. That's the hypnopompic, like you're not fully out of sleep yet. You're still groggy. You're still your body hasn't woken you up naturally. So those are the two, hypnagogic and hypnopompic. So this one, they want you to just lay there. It's sort of like, I I mean, from what I can tell, it's sort of like meditation. Like you're just kind of laying there yeah. until your mind, your mind drifts off. 
and then that's it. They want you to kind of practice going straight into dreaming. And like I said, it's very difficult, but very simple. Yeah. So if you want to practice those, those are kind of the tried and true ways that different, that people have come up with to be like, yeah, this is the best chance at lucid dreaming. That's, That's cool. the very like scientific approach to it. Yeah. It seems pretty straightforward and like, yeah, very um, easy things to practice. Yeah, definitely. And then once you do get into the lucid dreaming, these are a few techniques you could use to wake up from a lucid dream. Um, so number one, call out for help. So it's, it's kind of noted that if you're yelling in your dream, it kind of wakes up your mind. It tells your mind like, Hey, something's wrong. We, you need to wake yourself up. Yeah. Um, some people can even yell and then they yell out in like waking life. They're like, they actually yell out if you do it enough. There's also, it's also said that you can blink, blink in your dream like blink rapidly like over mm -hmm. and over and over again and then eventually your your body will start to do the same thing oh. another one is um falling asleep in your dream so i've heard of this one before where you are aware that you're dreaming go to sleep in your dream and it kind of forces you awake oh. um i don't uh, I don't know how that would work, like, in a nightmare situation. <laughs> if you're being chased by, like, a crazy clown or something. Probably going but... to call for help method. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, another just one is... Stop. <laughs> you're just like, you know what? I'm not doing this. And then you just and, like, fall asleep. <laughs> just, like, fall to the floor. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, another one is uh, trying to read. So try to read a book or a sign in your dream mm. because mo more often than not, the, the words will be, like, nonsensical. They just won't make any sense. And yeah. it also will activate parts of your brain that you don't usually use when you're in the REM cycle. So it will kind of wake up those parts of your brain as well. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of just a few things you could do. Um, I'm sure other people have other methods, but this is just the ones I found. So here's some benefits to lucid dreaming. So um, like we said <clears throat> earlier, it can be used as a form of therapy, sleep therapy. Mm -hmm. um, and in a way, it could help someone overcome reoccurring nightmares. Yeah. So um, I luckily don't suffer from reoccurring nightmares um i know that a lot of people do and especially after something traumatic um yeah. happens that mm -hmm. can that can cause traumatic uh, you know recurring traumatic uh nightmares so learning to lucid dream can help you control the dream so you're in control you change the story you change the narrative and then on the other hand you know you're dreaming and you can just recognize like hey this isn't real like none of this is real so let's just, maybe that clown is chasing you. And you're like, you know what? You need like Bobo the clown, you need to stop. Like, <laughs> that's it. We're not doing this anymore. <laughs> no. So, yeah. Um, there is something called imagery rehearsal therapy or IRT. And it's, this is done by a therapist. And they use this to, when, when you are lucid dreaming in a nightmare, you change the direction of the story to make it a more pleasant story. And then yeah. maybe eventually the nightmare will just stop occurring. Hmm. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah. They also use um, cognitive behavioral therapy with the IRT to help with the lucid dreaming. So that, again, helps with the overcoming the nightmares. Um, so CBT during the day to help with your lucid dreaming at night yeah to like kind of give you those skills practice those skills yeah yeah there was a study done in 2017 on three um on 33 military veterans they all had ptsd they all had recurring nightmares they received the the cognitive behavioral therapy and the imagery rehearsal therapy and they experienced the ones that did that experienced higher dream control and had less nightmare induced stress so it really did help them with yeah. their ptsd because it's like you you see that it's, a, it's another trope of like the soldier who's back from war and he you know he wakes up screaming or you know like he he just can't sleep or you know he, you have 
I can't even imagine what some people go through. And yeah. not only do you have to deal with it during the day, you have to dream about it at night. Like that's yeah. just does not seem fair. So no, definitely not. try that. Another um, another benefit is to help relieve anxiety. Hmm. So having a sense of control in your dreams could translate to having a sense of control in your life, your waking life, and to help you feel more empowered. And dreams also, I guess there are some studies that suggest dreams are our minds trying to work through like our processes during the day. I think you talked about that, about that during your, yeah. mm-hmm. during your episode. Yeah. So if you are dealing with stress, and anxiety and your brain's trying to work through it at night if you are lucid dreaming you can be a part of that and you can yeah, really control mm-hmm. yeah so that's definitely one of the um one of the benefits there's also another small study that suggests that lucid dreaming can help improve motor skills that you can practice your your motor skills during a lucid dream because the same part of your body the same part of your brain that you're using in your dream is the same part of your brain that you would use while you're awake. So people, nothing like, it's not going to teach you how to rewalk or, you know, things yeah. like that. But like, um, they did the examples they gave were like, um, tapping your hands or, you know, like getting more control over like fine motor skills, mostly mm-hmm. like those kinds of things. I thought that was really interesting. That is. And um, another form of therapy that is used for lucid dreaming is solving creative problems. So like writer's block, coming up with new ideas, um, helping you to resolve personal conflicts with somebody. There is a therapy that you could use that um, you use the like the characters in your dream to help you come up with solutions to these problems. That is cool. I could imagine that that would be super beneficial for like authors and artists and things like that. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I would think so too. So that's the benefits, but there, you know, can be some uh, dangers. I guess you could say mm-hmm. with that's with lucid thing. dreaming. Yeah, like with yeah, exactly. So number one being um, sleep problems. So, you know, doing that wake back to bed and the mild um, techniques in the middle of the night, you know, you're interrupting your sleep, you're, you're purposely waking yourself up and making yourself be awake. So it can be difficult to get enough rest. And especially if you have like a sleep disorder or an irregular sleep schedule, yeah, it can definitely interrupt that for I sure. I can absolutely see that happening if I tried. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Also, uh, what goes hand in hand with that is uh, worsening sleep quality. Mm. So not only are you not getting enough sleep, but you may not sleep well if you're focusing on trying to lose the dream. Yeah, because your brain's energy is going from fixing all the things that your body needs to fix to focusing on like practicing the lucid dreaming. Yeah, you're using a lot more brain power and vivid dreams themselves can wake you up and can make it really hard to go back to sleep in the first place. Yeah. So um, another one, which we kind of touched on is sleep paralysis. So that is an increased risk while you're, while you're lucid dreaming, because you are really focusing on waking your mind and not necessarily your body. So that can lead to sleep paralysis. Some people think sleep paralysis is just purely a scientific hallucination the hypnagogic hypnopompic thing mm-hmm. some people think it's um more um a spiritual than that and i mean really there is no way to say either way yeah. but i have had sleep paralysis once and it's not fun mm. it's very terrifying so um purposely putting myself in that and at risk for that i mean i don't I wouldn't want anyone to no. to go through that. <laughs> so. No, I don't think that would be voluntary. So, yeah. Um, also, depression is um, a, a you know a, a caution, something you should caution against mm-hmm. because you are interrupting your sleep. Mm-hmm. It can, if you are someone who is prone to depression, it can increase depressive symptoms because you're not getting enough rest. Yeah. And also this last one that I want to kind of focus on because um, I feel like this 
is something that not a lot of people talk about, but something that's called derealization. So derealization is the feeling that people, things, or your environment are not real. So if you, certain people, you know, have certain mental disorders or suffer from certain mental uh, uh, illnesses, Mm -hmm. and that can cause confusion, uh, hallucinations, your your delirium, and it may, for some people, it may blur the line between Mm -hmm. what's real and what's not real. Yeah, I can see that. Obviously, not everyone who has a mental illness or a mental disorder is is uh, susceptible to these kinds of um, these kinds of things. And people who may not even have mental disorders, you know, could be susceptible to these kinds of things. Yeah. So I think it's just just use caution and be safe and um, maybe tell someone what you're trying to do. That way, if something does happen the person can be like no listen you know maybe have like a safe word or you know like I don't know Mm -hmm. come up with something yeah because I think their dreams are so unknown yeah yeah they're very personal very unknown we don't really know why we why we dream and it's like uh (laughs) this is (laughs) this is a weird comparison okay (laughs) but when Grand Theft Auto Five came out, mm-hmm. I played it for like a week straight. And then when I would get in my car, <laughs> I'd be like, "I'm just gonna go around these car- like in between these cars, and I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna run this red light. It's fine." Like I wouldn't, but in my mind, I'd be like, "Oh wait, <laughs> I'm not playing Grand Theft Auto anymore." <laughs> like, no, yeah, I can't just, you know, I can't just hide and outrun mm-hmm. the police. You know, like I can't just hit pedestrians or steal cars that I want. Yeah. So that's what happens when I read books really fast. Right. I'll yeah. Some kind of lingering, like, wait, I can't do that. And like, yes, you can. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I think, I think that too about books. You, 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 you become like enveloped with this world mm-hmm. and then like, then you're like, oh wait, that's not really how things are. <laughs> yeah. So just use some caution. This derealization thing uh, kind of scared me a little. Um, so I just, uh, just, I, you know, you know, listeners, you know, your mind best, or, you know, you would know if you can handle it or not. Mm-hmm. Just use some caution. Be careful. Tell a friend we're together. Don't do yeah. this stuff alone. Yeah. And it can take, anybody can lose a dream. It takes practice. It takes patience. Um, we've had a, I'm going to read a couple of little, um, things that people sent into us. I just have like two, um, some people are like, full-blown naturals at it they don't even have to try and practice some people it takes longer Mm -hmm. but I feel like these tips you know if anything's going to do it hopefully this will yeah um, there's like I said there's a ton a ton of scientific research out there if you're interested in that stuff I just I can't understand it Mm. (laughs) I was like huh what with all these acronyms and uh, names of brain parts and I was just, I don't know, all over the world, they study it all over the place. Yeah. So now, um, let me bring up, we have just a couple of people. So we have our first one from at Hekamaya Leilahel. Sorry if I butchered that. Hekamaya underscore Leilahel. Um, she's, they say, I can only do this in a nightmare. When I'm too afraid, I can take control and I can wake up. So that's pretty cool. I mean, hey, if you're, if you're going to use it at any time, it might as well be in a nightmare. Yeah. Um, we also got another one from at Mindy's Posts, who is our BF, one of our BFFs. Mm-hmm. So she says, I've always been able to do this. I mostly use it to fly or conjure up food in my dreams. <laughs> 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 so, oh, that was funny. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so that's lucid dreaming. I mean, I had no idea how scientific it was. I had like an inkling just from doing the previous episode, but I want to do it and I want to practice, but I already have so many like sleep problems that I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) when I get those under control. Yeah. Well, you have to work on just even remembering your dreams. Very true. 
to start from the very maybe just start there yeah 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 if you try this and it works for you let us know or if you are already like a pro at lucid dreaming Mm -hmm. let us know or if you have like your own secret tips yeah we're very interested yes yeah did you have um a witchy moment you wanted to not a necessarily a witchy moment per se but um we have a sabbat coming up oh we do monday saturday so today Mm -hmm. is the 28th of july and on august 1st um we have lamas um which is kind of like the i guess lorenzo lama modern (laughs) (laughs) not named after um no relation no relation but lamas is kind of like the anglo-saxon kind of version of the name the more commonly practiced and then the um one of the pronunciations is the lunasa which is the more celtic um Mm word for it and this Mm. is the first of three of the um harvest festivals so Mm. we're going into high summer we're going into harvest and um so the themes are obviously harvest gratitude Mm -hmm. um benevolence sacrifice um and like really utilizing your skills and talents Mm. uh it's the hottest sabbath And then um, (laughs) uh, it's really for giving thanks um, to the abundance that's like going to come. And also like the last weeks of this heavy warmth, you know, bread is really um, popular in this Sabbath. Bread's always really popular in Sabbaths because you like make it, you know, but um, Mm -hmm. it really represents that kind of like first growth. And then just the practice of bread making on the day, sharing of the bread. Um, oh, as well okay. as making those really cool like corn dolls, corn husk dolls. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are both super popular rituals. Um, so that's cool. Yeah. I can't believe it's corn August dolls. already. I know, I know. Um, if you're gonna do an altar or kind of like work with colors, um, yellow, orange, red, green, brown, and then um, a lot of har- harvest imageries, uh, maybe some like wheat bundles um a size maybe a basket maybe putting some bread um flour that bread you make yeah exactly like putting a slice of the bread on there um whatever you feel whatever you do and uh yeah yeah do you know do make do with whatever you have you know Mm -hmm. even if the colors aren't perfect and grab some white bread out of your out of your drawer or whatever wherever you Mm -hmm. keep your bread I was going to say, maybe if you just don't know how to make bread or don't feel so inclined because it is freaking hot outside and you don't want to turn your oven on, maybe just go grab some fresh bread from the grocery store or something and have it with a meal. Yeah, you can buy like a whole baguette for like $2. I know, know especially if you go to like your grocery store's bakery section or a local bakery's. um, We have like a... We have a, it's called Winco. I don't know if that's all over the whole like country or world, probably not the world. Um, but it's like a, it's like a bulk store, I guess. Yeah. Like you can, it's definitely a like, bulk store. you go and you like, they have like this whole section where you like, you get stuff out of containers, and, like you put them in a bag and you take it home, you know, like it's that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but they sell like their little fresh, their fresh like you take it home and bake it, but like garlic bread and like baguettes and stuff. Ugh, yeah. So good. They also have like that section where you can pick like the different types. The different breads. Yeah. Like rolls and bagels that mm. they make and so good. Stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like relatively cheap because everything's bulk. So like, yeah, you. it is super cheap. It's I think super I'm cheap. going there today. <laughs> You should buy me some bread and throw it out of your window on your way home. Oh my god, I think I'll I'm grab it. some bagels. Mm. Mm. I made spaghetti and bought some of their garlic bread, and it's so good. I you, were saying, you were you ate spaghetti with bagels, which would have been good. <laughs> I would be fine. Maybe not like cinnamon raisin bagels, but <laughs> jalapeno cheese bagels. Mm. I'm just hungry. <laughs> yeah, like an everything bagel. I could do that. <laughs> what's your favorite bagel guys tell us 
Mine is the jalapeno cheese bagel and the cinnamon raisin bagel. I've really um, occasions. I have really gotten into everything bagels lately. But what's funny, and James knows this, is that I do not like cream cheese. Yeah, so weird. Well, like, okay, weird. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Um, I like hot cream cheese. So, like, say it's in Dips. like one of those like. Uh, so my favorite sushi place has a big salmon roll, and it has cream cheese in it. But they obviously like bake it, and so yeah. the cream cheese gets like really hot and gooey. Or like if you use it in a dish, like mac and cheese or a casserole or something, I love that. Or, or like a like a dip or something. Or like a dip, yeah. But um, if it's cold, I can't eat it. It has to be mixed Wonder- with something too. I can eat the like herbed ones. Mm, okay. Yeah. I you just don't like plain, no, plain just, cream cheese. I think it's more mind over matter at this point in my life. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. Everyone has their preferences. Yeah, I've recently gotten over my aversion to sour cream, so maybe. Oh, well, there you go. Um, You're growing up, Jess. <laughs> One there are very few things time. I won't eat. Ugh, you should see my list. Well, you know my list. <laughs> oh yeah, I've been there. But yeah, I don't eat a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> and there's but a lot. Of, there's not a lot of things. There, there's not a lot of things I won't eat. So, so that's why it works out yeah yeah <laughs> but thank you so much for listening thanks for, thanks for listening um next week we're gonna have a little double feature for you yeah we're gonna split um, the episode so um be sure to listen for that be sure to check yes. out um our stories because we ask for you know we ask for your guys's input and stories sometimes so check that mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. at sit for a salt pod you can follow me at Quit Playing James with my heart. I'm at uh, Jess a bunch of hocus pocus. Don't use it very much, but you do your stories a lot. You do your stories a lot. And That's I like fun. to look at sharks on the discovery page. <laughs> Send Jess shark videos, please. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> sharks and sour cream. <laughs> well, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> I'll see you next time. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sit for a Spell. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on all social media at Sit for a Spell Pod. If you have anything you would like us to discuss or want to share your own practices, please email us at sitforaspellpod at gmail.com. Until next time, blessed be. Blessed be.